0: Welcome to Creating Kesher, Conversations About Connecting. In each episode, I get to have a conversation with one of my colleagues about ideas, concerns, issues, and solutions to helping us deepen and improve our connections in marriage. I'm your host, Lisa Tversky. I'm having a conversation today with Dr. Hindi M. Klein, psychoanalyst and psychologist in private practice working with Teens, individuals and couples, welcome Dr. Klein. Hello, it's so nice to be here, Lisa. It's so ex- it's I'm so excited for our conversation. We're going to be talking there's many elements to a good relationship, but we're going to be talking today about enhancing our connection through good communication and all the different ways that that comes in and how we can bring it into our relationship, even when we fight. Yes, I think people are under the misconception that if they fight,
1: they're not going to have a good connection or a good relationship or able to really communicate well, but that is really not the case. So very often when I work with couples and uh, young married couples who come in, uh, people in Shana Vashona, people who are newly married or what have you, and they come in and they are appalled at the concept, that the at the prospect of them fighting. And I say to them, it's not that whether you're going to fight or not, you definitely are going to fight, but it's Uh the way you fight. It's not a matter because people come to marriages and they come to relationships coming with very different backgrounds, even if they have a similar background, even if they're both or they're both litvish or they're both yeshivish or they're both satmar or not. It doesn't make a difference. You're raised in different families. So you come with different Different uh, traditions, minhagim, baggage. Expectations. expectations.
0: Orientations.
1: Exactly. And because of that, you are bound to disagree at some point. And we'll talk about this a little bit later because I think what I think we really should start about is effective. You know, what goes into really having a great relationship and effective communication? Um, So, yeah, would you?
0: Yeah, I think we should start with that, the, the, the positive. You know, whenever a couple will come in um, for therapy and they want to kind of dive into what the problems are, what's going on and what's going wrong, and I'll always sort of say, no, 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 we're going to first establish some positivity because when we have a positive connected relationship, then our difficulties and our challenges are just dealt with much better. And they're minimized. minimized. You're not going to have... They're A, minimized, and they're B, dealt with better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the quality... let's start with how we...
1: Yeah. The quality of, you know, I think the quality of the relationship is enhanced when you know that the way you're going to communicate and the way you're going to connect will be in the most positive way possible and take into account that we know we're ultimately going to fight or disagree on something. When I say the word fight... I don't say, you know, you could, you could kind of be mild, say it more mild. say, oh, we, we disagree or we don't really agree mm-hmm. on things. Sometimes you really just have a fight and it's okay. And it's okay, right. but it's, it's, it's the quality of the fight. Okay. And right. I, let's get to the fighting a little bit later. Okay. Let's talk right. about first.
0: This. Yeah. Yeah. First, we're going to talk, we're going to set up the couple for, uh, First, we're going to set up the couple with some pointers on how to create that positive communication uh, so that, that they can bring into whatever situation. So right. let's talk about good communication so, what, and good connection. So um,
1: I, I think that when a couple gets married, when they're dating, or even if they have not officially dated as with some uh, couples who get married uh, through a show or through other different processes, Um So it really depends on how much they know each other. But then again, we can always say no matter how much you date or not, you don't really know someone until you live with them. So people think, you know, I didn't really go out with him so much. I really don't know him. Or I went out with him for six months or eight months. I know him very well. Well, All that kind of neutralizes when you start living together and sharing an apartment and sharing responsibilities and bills and ultimately childcare and tuitions and mortgages Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit to later parts of marriage, but I think in the beginning, there's always hope and there's always excitement and a feeling of, you know, this is going to be great. I'm going to have a great life. I'm going to have a partner who's going to love me and I'm going to love them and we're going to have a beautiful life together. But I think that sometimes couples forget that marriage is actually very hard work. Besides the fact that we could use all the nice, you know, cliche words of it's a commitment and it's a responsibility and so on and so forth. Well, it is. So we can use all those words, but it's really hard work. If you want to have a good relationship with your partner, with your husband or wife, you have to, it has to be like a real devoted effort Well, you need to kind of say to yourself and you have to talk to your spouse and say to them, say to each other, we are really committed to one another. We care for each other and we are going to work hard to have Mm. a really good relationship.
0: Okay. So, yes. And both have to be. On that same page, yes. you know. I think a lot of people think that the problems are when one or the other isn't interested in putting in that hard work, and of course, that makes even bigger problems if one or the other isn't interested or isn't able to put in that hard work. But what we need to emphasize is that even when both are interested, it's still it's still an effort. It's yeah. You know, it's not. I, I'm not trying. It's to, not passive. It's yeah. not passive. It's an
1: active voda, Right. It's a very active activity of saying to yourself every day when you get up in the morning and you turn to your partner and you say, good morning, dear, or, good morning, lovey, or just how are you this morning? It's a very active uh, statement commitment when you talk to one another and you try to talk to one another in a positive way, in a communicative way. We'll get to that in a second. And in a way that is not sarcastic. I think. Mm. I think sarcasm is one of the real Dangers in in communication and in relationships because I think sarcasm usually comes out of bitterness and anger mm. underneath. You know, there's always multiple levels of meaning. So when something is happening, you could look at it at straight up in the surface level, but you could look also as what's going on. So the person could be sarcastic and maybe maybe be very funny, uh, but they're really not underneath. Very often is anger and bitterness, um, which is not a good thing. So, so, but to start off on a really positive note, there are certain things that I would want a couple to put into place, to really put into place a nice connected way of relating. Uh So a few things, first of all, Uh, And this is easier, I think, in that quote unquote Shana Rishona when you're first married and and in what we call the classic honeymoon period, because it's kind of like a given that you're going to have a lot of time for one another and you don't necessarily have children yet. So you can really devote and, you know, you're both working or the husband is learning or what have you. And you can really devote time to one another and you can maybe make that great foundation then. So then when other challenges come. Like the children and tuitions and the mortgage and everything else, you have such a beautiful, strong foundation that no matter what comes your way, uh, you know, family feuds, God forbid, illness, situation, pandemics, uh, Mm. whatever whatever comes your way, you will be able to handle it with love and respect and dignity. Um, So here's what I would recommend to young couples. Number one. uh, Yeah. No. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting one. for the list. Right. Yes. So it's not a very big list. I don't want to create a very big list because I want people to, first of all, you know, obviously you need to be, spend time. There, there has to be as much time as you can put aside to spend time with one another. So I mm-hmm. like two particular things. I like uh, what I call metaphorically sitting down at the kitchen table. What does that mean? And I tell this, by the way, not just to young couples. I tell this to older couples. I tell this Uh to any uh, couple that walks in for marital therapy. When you ask them, do you ever, quote unquote, sit down at the kitchen table? I'll explain what that means. And then look at me, who has time for that? So when I say sit down at the kitchen table, I mean, every day, every day, find some time. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour, an hour. Oh boy. uh, You know, Uh a time where you could sit together at your kitchen table, on the couch, in the rocker, uh, two rockers next to each other, um, outside on the porch on a nice summer night. any time that you could sit together uh, where you could um, uh, talk about anything. How was your day? What's the latest that's going on? Oh, here's what we need to talk about. Oh, you know, what's coming up on our calendar? Oh, you know, this is what we need to do. And even if it's, even if it's concrete stuff, oh, you know, what has to be done. And, you know, you do this, I'll do that. And, or, you know, sharing a joke, sharing a story, gossiping about something, whatever it is, just fi- talking about the children, obviously talking about good things, hopefully, and sometimes not such good things, uh, having time, giving yourself the space and the environment to have a disagreement or to talk things out, you know, obviously you want to do this when it's as quiet as possible. Uh, If you have a lot of children around, try to find a time when the children are in bed or playing or whatever, because this could end up being a more privileged or private conversation. So you want to have that Mm -hmm. space for it to be privileged and private. You don't want to have it with everybody crawling all over you and children overhearing things that maybe they shouldn't. So uh, you want to try to have private time and you want to have time just plain old time, just
0: time every day
1: to to connect, time every day to connect. And it could be about, it could be about absolutely frivolous items. And it could be about very important items. It doesn't make a difference. You just, when you just sit down and have a chance to sit with your spouse, your partner, and just talk to them, it's so nice. It could be really a beautiful, beautiful experience. So that's one thing I like very much. The other thing that okay. I like very much, which not all couples can do, especially as their families are growing and their responsibilities are growing. But I, I try to push for this. And that is date night.
0: I think mm. Date
1: night is really, really important. Okay? okay. Um, because it's kind of an extension of sitting down at the kitchen table. Only on date night, you're usually going out with our children mm. on a date. And you can go, and you don't have to spend a lot of money. Like a lot of times people think, I've had some couples who can afford it, who would use a date night and they literally go, well, I don't know about now, but they literally go to uh, Manhattan or somewhere to a hotel and they spend the evening out together. So they'll go out, this was like pre-pandemic, they'll go out and have a beautiful evening at a restaurant and have a lovely romantic dinner. And then they'll go to a hotel where they'll able to have real private time together. And that could be a date night. Another version of a date night is getting up and taking a walk around the block a few times or going for coffee or going for ice cream in the summer, doing anything. It doesn't have to be an extravagant evening. It doesn't have to be uh, something that you can't afford. It could be just a walk. But the concept of date night is that you're carving out time. You're carving out time that you're going to be together outside
0: of the home. Okay. and and can you because i think that a lot of people hate date night date night date night idea and i don't know that they all understand they all understand that date night is different than sitting at the kitchen table or that general concept but i'm not sure people really get why it's above and beyond I could sit at the table like I can sit on the park bench. What's the difference? I think it's important to sort of, for the people who are going, what do I need it for? Why do I got to do that for? Um, can you give us a little two minutes on why? Yeah. What's, what's ah. the difference? Well, when you think about it, when you are sitting
1: at the kitchen table, you're having, a, and you could be having a lovely conversation, but there's all these possibilities of interference, right? The phone could mm-hmm. ring. Oh, by the way, I have to say, when you have your sitting at the kitchen table or when you have your date date night. So the phone is off. The Mm -hmm. the phone has to be off or the phone has to be put away. If you're in a position like, uh, I don't know, somebody's a medical doctor and there might be a medical emergency, so you need to have, you need to have access and to be close to your phone, then you could keep it somewhere in a pocket or something, but you don't walk or you don't sit at the kitchen table with your phone next to you and like looking at and looking at it every two minutes. So that is like out. And even when you're going out, you put your phone away and you only use it, you know, if, if you leave your kids and you're obviously thinking maybe, maybe sit a great, right. something like that. Okay. But otherwise no phones. Okay. Uh, And I think the reason that's different, there could be all various forms of interference, even if it's not the phones, the children or distractions or whatever. When you go out on a date night, relatively speaking, the probability is that, and if you are committed to not answering your phones and stuff like that, relatively speaking, the probability is that you will not have distractions unless you want to, Mm. unless you want to use date night and go out with another couple or go walk Uh with another couple. That's your choice and you could discuss that once in a while and people enjoy that because that's their also their way of socializing and having friends and kind of being together with friends, which is another important aspect of being in a good relationship where you could enjoy and socialize with your friends. I don't know how many couples do that, right? They, some couples don't socialize with others. Um, on a regular basis or at all, but for those that do, that's a possibility. Otherwise Mm. the two of you could be on your own and the probability of you getting interrupted. It's also when you're, you're changing, it's this change of scenery. You're going out, you're going to a park, you're going to a restaurant, you're going to the park bench, but you're not in your house. So the, the, the sitting down at the kitchen table is a daily, like, um, exercise It's like a daily, it's daily homework. It's something mm-hmm. that's like a boost. It's like a little boost. It's a little booster to enhance and to make sure that you're checking in with one another. You're covering all the bases. You're talking about everything. But Think Night is a little bit more magical. It's taking mm-hmm. you out to a different scene to a different moment
0: to a different feeling you're really kind of and to a different experience because when we're out in the world we we use different muscles different interactive muscles different exactly. negotiating our environment muscles and we might have to do that together or I might get to see you in a different light because of how you handled something it it sort of adds in in a variety of ways right. our connection or experience of each other together
1: right you know it's interesting you say that because it reminds me when I used to do a, we don't really have this anymore what well, maybe in restaurants you do but I remember when I used to talk to young women who were dating mm-hmm. and we would talk about um Uh, you know, what they liked about the boys and everyone's looking for, uh, you know, somebody with good meadows and stuff like that and how they treat other people. And I would always, uh, if they would go out uh, on a date and they would be in a car together, and if they would go to a pass, a, um, well, now we have easy pass, but if they would pass the tolls, um, I would Uh say when you went through the toll, what did the young man, how did the young man speak to the guy at the toll booth? Oh, he was so disgusting. Mm-hmm. He was rude. He just, you know, give me my change or whatever it was those days. Now mm-hmm. we don't have that anymore. As a, as right. uh, as um, sometimes they would go, and the young lady would check her coat in a coat room, and the guy, the gentleman, would get you know the coat for her or something like that. And I would say, well, how did he engage with the coat check person? Oh, they were so kind. Mm-hmm. They left a tip. They spoke so politely. Or, well, you know, they were very dismissive. And they so you see the person. Not only in how they relate to you, which, you know, usually you want to try to relate to the person you're with, you know, want to put your best foot forward. But then you sometimes get that little moment, that little hint of, well, what's he really like or what's she really right. like? And you get mm-hmm. that in the little moments of when they're interacting. Or so when the couple goes out to a restaurant, how does the gentleman or the woman, for that matter, interact with the waiter? Are they polite? Right. Do they ask nicely mm-hmm. or are they demanding and, and rough? So right. it's really like kind of like covered habrios. how are you mm-hmm. with your fellow man? And that's a right. very important aspect between man and other, because it will always trickle down to man and wife and wife and man and couple. <laughs> right. So, yeah. uh, and so that is true. So you'll see each other in a different light because you'll be in a different environment and you'll learn certain things about your partner that some of the, some of the things you may love and some of mm-hmm. the things you may not love, and that it's something that you might even want to have a conversation about it. Could you imagine if you went out to a restaurant with your spouse and you found that your spouse was very rude to the waiter in the restaurant? Mm -hmm. I know everybody, pretty much everybody goes out to restaurants, right? Pretty much across the boards. Uh, You know, not everyone, but even in the Hasidic communities, uh, there are many people that go out to restaurants and you want to see how they interact with either people they meet in the restaurant or waiters or maitre d's or whomever. And what happens? What happens when you come home from a restaurant and you're really distraught because you didn't like the way your partner spoke to whomever in the restaurant? What do you do? Hmm. If you have the kind of relationship that you have date nights and that you have sitting down at the kitchen table every day, so you've got this good open communication and you really feel safe, in speaking with your partner, you can sit down with them when you come home at the kitchen mm-hmm. table, and you could say, you know, honey, or Yankel, or Devira, or whomever. Um, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about what happened tonight. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. I, uh-huh. I tell couples. I tell this. This is a line that I give to everyone. Um, this goes for husband and wife, parent and child, teacher and student. Employer wow. and employee, this is a line that goes to you know everyone. You can say anything to anyone, and I say I mean anything to anyone. Love, hate, anger, rage, as long as you say it with dignity and respect. And speak in Agreed. and speak in feeling language. So if you instead of saying you're this and you're that, you talk disgusting, you were disgusting to the waiter, it was I was embarrassed, I was mortified. No. You know, if you say, you know, I noticed. Um, I was feeling a little uncomfortable when I noticed how you spoke to the waiter and it hurt my feelings. It hurt me because uh, it just bothered me. And I want to know if we could talk about it a little bit. Now, depending on your partner and how defensive they may not they may or may not become, that's another story. Why do they get defensive? If they know that you're coming from a place of love and communication and really uh, from a good place that you want to kind of talk to them about it. You're not trying to give them a Musa schmooze. You're just trying to Mm -hmm. talk to them about it because it's maybe something that you don't know so much about yourself, but because you know that you have a loving partner, they can point it out to you and it's okay. So if it's not in a punitive or offensive or nasty way, then you could accept it much better and you could learn from it. We all learn from each other. We all learn from our husbands, our wives, our children. We learn from our students. We learn from everyone so mm-hmm. long
0: as it's done with dignity and respect so right yeah the way you would want to receive it the way is you, the way that you right. should give it
1: exactly yeah. so you're not you're mm-hmm. not burning in gehenim because you did xy and z <clears throat> and you don't want to make the person feel like they're burning you know in hell in gehenim because of xy and z but you do want to point out to them and you're doing it because you love them you care about them it hurts you to see that kind of Behavior and it hurts them because mm-hmm. if, if you're experiencing that and you're on their team, so to speak, could you imagine how another person is experiencing that? Saying like, "Who is this guy? Who is this woman that she's so demanding and she's so rude?" So, right. so you and you have the you have the power as a partner, as a spouse, to say something in a beautiful, meaningful, respectful, and dignified way, where the person on the other end of the conversation instead of getting defensive could really absorb it and really say, mm. it, like it's mustard Haskell. this is this is a a message that i could really accept and i could think about and you don't have to right. it's a, conversations like this are not like okay we finished our conversation i said my piece goodbye if you're on the other if you're on the receiving end you could say something like you know thank you for sharing that with me i need i don't know if i agree with you or not even you could even say that i need to think mm. about it and let me give, give me a minute to think about it. And we could talk about it now, or give me a minute to think about it. And maybe I'll come back to you tomorrow or the next day. And we can have a conversation about it again. Cause you know, a little something about this, like oh, bothers me. It, it does bother me. The other person is saying now. Um, uh-huh. So I'd like to give it some thought and maybe we can revisit this conversation. That would be amazing. If a couple could be on right. that level, that they could be able to confront each other in a gentle way about things that bother them and then mm-hmm. think about it and process it and come back to it even if they don't have an answer on the spot, which is fine. That is a highly
0: sophisticated, really healthy couple. What do you think, Lisa? I I, I agree. I think it takes a lot. and And that's the work that we were talking about. That's the hard work. It's hard work when you're upset about something to keep even-keeled and be respectful and not reactive. And that was so disgusting. I'm so uncomfortable. And how did you do that? But to keep yourself in that place of, there was something I was a little uncomfortable with. Can we talk about it? So it's hard work to not be reactive when you want to give out your frustration or your discomfort. And then it's equally, as equally, if not more uh, hard work to receive it without, too much defensiveness right. we can feel the defensiveness on the inside but the work is to say take a deep breath let me think about that and and maybe we could talk about that in a bit right. without being right. angry angry without being you know uh re- reactive back to my spouse i'm going to i'm going to make you feel bad cuz now i feel bad so i'm going to say something mean to you cuz i feel hurt that you are pointing something out because it's hard work not to feel badly when somebody points something out that isn't positive even if they pointed it out with respect and dignity it can still be a lot of hard work to just sit with it right. and not get you know either shut down or aggressive, aggressive. So, you know, uh, sometimes
1: I always say to c- couples, because sometimes when one partner tries to talk to the other, and what does the other partner do? Because they're getting very defensive. So, you know, the classic line, the best defense is an offense. So when you get hmm. defensive, what do you become very often? Uh, you become um, offensive. offensive. You say, really? Yeah. And you become offensive. And really? And what about you? And you did this and you did that. And you're, di- and you're disgusting. And how could you talk to me that way? So you basically project back onto them. Um, because you're feeling Mm -hmm. defensive about what they're saying to you and you're feeling defensive about what happened. And, you know what, maybe I did, maybe I wasn't really so nice. And it's hard for me to process that. So, you know, it's kind of like um, automatically you get offensive and you project that aggression and anger onto them, onto your partner and saying, yeah, really? And you become very offensive. And it's really very destructive to connect communication. Very yeah, and sometimes I, I you think own, you know. Sometimes you have to own it. You don't even have to, right? You don't even have to. If your if your wife or husband is having that kind of conversation with you, she's not even asking. He or she are not. Is not. They're not even asking for an apology. If anything, the apology is to the waiter. In the rest, right? It's not to me. You know, it, or it's not to the husband. It's just an understanding that we understand each other, that we can communicate, and we can notice things about one another and talk about them, with the the mission is for, to kind of, number one, that the person should be knowledgeable and uh, cognizant of it, and then they could reflect on it and maybe hopefully work on themselves. And also it's, think of the connection that you have with a partner and with a spouse when you can have that kind of conversation. Just without getting offensive, defensive, uh, you know, uh, oh my God, how could you talk like that to me? I thought you loved me. I love that line. I thought you loved me. How can you say that to me? Well, because I love you, I'm saying
0: that to you. Right think, well, I think that, yeah, I think that that goes back to where you started, which is that you say to couples, "Not if you fight, when you fight, right, meaning that you know you were saying how couples come into marriage and I'm gonna love this person completely, totally, and always, and they're gonna love me completely, totally and always, and hopefully that's true, but what comes along with that is this sort of wish. Or, or hope that not only are we going to love each other totally and completely, but we're going to be in that do no wrong space. I'm going to be, you know, I, I will be doing no wrong in your eyes and you'll be doing no wrong in my eyes. And so then when a spouse has to say, there was something that made me really uncomfortable about that, it's not, just on this, like, oh, nobody likes to hear something that somebody's not happy with them about. It's also the fear that, oh my gosh, we're really not that couple. We're we're really not, you know, like completely and totally... It's like, yeah, positive in every positive way. And, and you think only good thoughts and we never have a fight. And, and so when you orient a couple and hopefully this, this uh, podcast helps orient also in general, when you orient a couple that that's not realistic, that you'll do no wrong and that you'll have no fights and that you'll have this perfect, you know, batting a thousand, Track record with your spouse. They're going to be things that doesn't have to mean that they love you any less or respect you any less because they're things that they wish were different a bit here and there.
1: So, I always, when I start working with couples, I always start out by saying, um, you know, we talk about the three C's of marriage, which is something that I think I adopted years ago from a, a, um, a training that I took with a, a um, gentleman by the name of Howard Markman, who does a lot of these prep programs for marital work. Um, And uh, it's called like the three C's of marriage. So the three C's, what are the three C's of marriage? So communication, which we're talking about right now, compromise, you know, how couples have to compromise on everything from everything to everything, right? Right. Where they're going to live, where they're going to send their kids to yeshiva, how they're going to dress, you know, where they're going to go on vacation, where are they going to the bungalow colony? Which bungalow mm. colony are they choosing? Uh, are they ch-
0: going to the bungalow colony? Are they going right? to
1: the bungalow colony? And on and on and on. Uh, so c- compromise is very, very important. And then the, and the third C is conflict resolution, how you resolve conflict. So I say to the couples, this is not about whether you're going to fight or not. It's about how you're going to fight. Because you're Uh definitely going to fight. Oh no, we don't fight, especially the young couples. Oh no, we don't fight. We're so happy with one another. We just have a little glitch here and there, but we don't really fight. I say, well, uh, you will fight. If you don't fight it, you will fight. But that's okay. It's not about fighting or not because we're different. We're different people. It's okay to disagree. You got to agree to disagree. It's okay to fight. It's how you fight. It's the quality of your fighting. So Mm -hmm. under the under conflict resolution. I have three more items, no name calling, no Mm. room below the belt, and speak in feeling language. Now, let's start with the name calling. When you're not speaking feeling language, like I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm happy, I'm enraged or whatever, uh, owning it and so on and speaking in feeling language, and you start name calling and you're this and you're that and you're disgusting and you're, I can't believe I married you and you're, so, and all the name calling, it is so destructive. Um, you know, the old sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never harm me. It's so not true, Names <laughs> will harm you. It, yeah, it, names can harm you. It, 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 it um, they certainly you, harm your relationship. That's <laughs> harm your relationship, and they are, uh, the word I'm looking for, I'm blocking on the word, but it kind of they, they dig in a deep down to your sense of self, to your sense mm. of esteem, how you feel about yourself. If my partner. Constantly tells me, I'm this and this and this and this, I'm disgusting, I'm selfish, I'm horrible, you're a narcissist, you're crazy. And all the name calling, because they themselves, and sometimes you do have issues that you have to work on, but name-calling is not helping you. Okay. But so right. being called names by your by your spouse is not making you less of a narcissist or less selfish or less this or less that. And when you right. call somebody those names, it's not, you're not doing therapy with them. It's not no. helpful. It's just creating, you know, the kitchen table, it's getting wider and wider and wider. You're sitting farther and farther apart at the kitchen table. Um, So name calling is very destructive. It's very destructive on many, many levels. At the moment when you're actually calling the name, it's very very destructive. Mm -hmm. Even afterwards, because when you've had a really bad fight and you've been called a lot of names, it lingers. It lingers in your head. It just lingers. well
0: it lingers it lingers in your head and it makes you much less likely to want to be open and then if you're not as open because you don't want to be vulnerable then you are not going to be able to be as connected uh, it's just the opportunity is not the same as if you don't feel uh like you have to protect yourself like you have to sort of hunker down and and keep this person out you you can be much more vulnerable if you're not worried about what's coming at you. Right. And you know, what is one of the most beautiful
1: aspects of a good marriage is the feeling that number one, you're cared for, you're loved, you're nurtured, you're safe. You're safe. Mm -hmm. You can, you can trust and be trusted. Your partner trusts you and you trust them. You trust your spouse, your husband and your wife. You trust that they want the best for you, that they want, try their hardest for this relationship, that they love you, that they care for you, that they will cherish you, that they you can trust them with your secrets, with your fantasies, with with anything. You know, not that every couple has to share everything every minute of their mind. There are certain things that you want to keep private sometimes, and that's okay. You don't have to share everything with your partner. But, mm-hmm. but you have to have a feeling of, I trust that my husband or wife partner has my back. I mm-hmm. know that they have my back now. When you're with somebody who's constantly putting you down, name calling, or hitting them below the belt, which is the second thing, which is you find the person's most vulnerable spot and you stech them right there. Mm-hmm. You hit mm-hmm. them. that's what the expression "hitting below the belt" means. It means that you're hitting them below the belt, meaning that mm-hmm. you're finding a very vulnerable place and you're attacking them at that place. So if you know that they have, um, you know, if you know that your wife uh, has a weight problem, and you know that she's constantly worried about her weight, and that she feels fat and ugly all the time. And you call her, you know, oh, you have such a hard time losing weight. You know, you're not really very attractive, and you're and and you start doing that. That is, you know, that's just one example, and there are many, many examples. I'm sure that everyone can think of when you hit below the belt and you go for that person's vulnerable spot, where you know that they, you know, or uh, that you attack. Um, their, you attack their family member, you know, you know that they have whatever a, a, a mother or a father or a sibling or who knows that is, um, I don't know, unstable. And you know that it's a very, very painful uh, issue for your partner. And you say, and look at you, your family's crazy. And they're this and they're that. All right. these kinds of things are like hitting below the belt.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? and, and And I don't think that anyone thinks any communication is happening in that space where you're hitting below the belt. Nobody really thinks that any communication is happening there. That's just about, you know, getting back at you for some perceived or real um, injury. And there's no communication there. There's no project productive communication there. The bottom line is, is that I'm doing it because I'm angry and I'm getting back at you. Right. There's a steep price to pay in your future relationship for taking that kind of revenge or letting off that kind of steam. And that's what people need to understand. I don't think anybody's confused about whether you're winning an argument or you're, you know, getting somebody to open their eyes by hitting them below the belt. Everyone knows that's just about being angry and hurting you back.
1: But at what cost? Right. At what cost? And you should know that, you know, in the beginning, So you'll have a fight and things will be said that are unpleasant and right name calling, getting below the belt, and you'll feel wounded and you'll feel upset and you'll, you know, you'll cry or you'll be, or you'll be bunga blows in and you'll be upset and, you know, okay, so then you'll get over it. You know, I was having a bad day. He was having a bad day. She was having a bad day. Fine. But if this becomes a chronic element in your marriage where you don't have the open and honest and trusting communication where you don't have the sitting at the kitchen table, where you don't have speaking and feeling language. I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that when, you know, or owning your feelings um, and not attacking when you don't have the date night, when you don't have all the beautiful, positive elements and all you have, or, or it's weighed. you weigh it, right. And you have much more in the negative hitting below the belt and and, and name calling, then you do the positive sitting at the kitchen table and date night and other ways of, of positive communication moments when you weigh them and are getting heavily weighted in the negative, it seeps into your marriage. It seeps into the fabric of your relationship, of your marriage, and you become very resentful and you become very bitter and you become mm-hmm. very, very unhappy. And ultimately, if for whatever reason, you cannot get out of your marriage or you won't get out of your marriage because you do on some level want to stay married. So instead of feeling, wow, I have a trusted partner, a loving, trusted, fun, we could have a great time type of thing, partner. I have this enemy Mm. sleeping in my bedroom. Like, who are you? Like, go away from me. And that's not the best way to have a relationship. So it pays, Mm -hmm. like we said in the very beginning, to work really hard, on your relationship and do all this stuff, set aside time, no cell phones, um, walking, talking, kitchen table, anywhere, so that you could have that connection. It just, it's just important. Right.
0: And to do the work on yourself, that when you're hurt by something, or when you're hurt by something they did to somebody else, or hurt by something your spouse did to you that you need to talk about, either which way, that you work on yourself to refrain from the name-calling, from the hitting below the belt, and you work on communicating with that owning the feeling and speaking and feeling language and sharing from a respectful and non-demeaning Right. Respectful, place. Dignified, dignified, dignified. Dignified, thank you.
1: I use those words all the time. You could say thank it you could to be anybody as long they as you can take your respect. And can I just say one other thing? Lisa? I want to say one other thing. Yeah. Sometimes people come to the marriage and they coming with their own, like we say, their own peklach, their own baggage, mm-hmm. because there might've been traumas in their family. There might've been issues of abuse in their family. There might've been other traumas, deaths in the family, and they already come to the marriage with their own issues. So then I would say, whether it's the man or the woman, the husband or the wife, I would say really strong recommendation. And Lisa, you could comment on that. I'm sure go for therapy, go um. for therapy. It's good to go for therapy. It's brave. It's courageous. If you know that you're coming into a relationship that you want to have a good loving trusting relationship but you know you have your own issues you know you tend to get anxious you know you sometimes tend to get depressed you know that you sometimes have flashbacks of certain memories that are painful it's okay no one is faulting you you're fine just go for help tell your spouse i need to go for help and it's okay hopefully hopefully they will be responsive to that encouraging of that supporting of that and they'll say sure I want a good marriage. I want to have a good life with you. Whatever it takes, honey, whatever it takes. Go for right. help. We'll go. You go alone. I'll go alone. We'll go together. Sometimes I see a couples and I say, you're not ready for couple therapy. You need to be in your own treatment first. You go to right. your therapist. You go to your therapist. And eventually we'll start marital therapy when you've shored up and built up and become stronger. And then you could really work on that excellent communication and relationship. Sometimes people come into a marriage and they're not ready for it. Nowadays, right. I think, Ali uh, Sal, you know your thoughts on this. Nowadays, I think people are much more amenable to therapy. Many more people mm-hmm. from all types are going yeah. into therapy because they realize that they need to be in therapy for whatever reason, before mm-hmm. marriage, after marriage, during marriage, whatever. They need to be in therapy and it's good for the marriage. It's good for them
0: right i and i would just add one piece to that i agree with everything you said obviously i would uh, i would add one piece along the lines of your you know being respectful is that sometimes those traumas or that history that someone's coming into marriage with and which necessitates therapy is something that they only discover is challenging to them. They might've in theory said, oh, I come from a difficult home or I come from a difficult history. Maybe I need therapy. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, But they, it didn't really manifest until they were married and then maybe they do see where their difficulty is, or maybe it's only their spouse who sees where their difficulty is. But It can be a very sensitive topic that now that I'm married, I need therapy. And so whether you're approaching yourself about that or whether your spouse needs to approach you about that, be kind, be kind to yourself or become kind to your spouse. I see that we're struggling. I see that we're having issues let's go figure out where and how we need to get help about this not because you're you know this goes back to what you're saying about the name calling because of your crazy mother because of your crazy father you're like this and you need help and i don't know why you didn't get help before you're mad but you need you know so Exactly. You, need to, right. you, you need, need to be kind. You need to be kind support and and support be it. kind to yourself. If you're seeing that you're struggling in your marriage and you kind of know that it's about your history, don't avoid therapy because then it means I have a problem. Then I means I have an issue. Then it means it's all my fault. Be proud that you're willing to that's face true. it and do yeah. something about it. And I think, I think get that's it done.
1: So because a lot of times. People will look at going into therapy as okay. What's wrong with me? I'm crazy. I need to go into therapy. I say to, and I say this sincerely. You know, I'm, I, I, we can say that we're a little bit no ga'ad bedavra because we're therapists, right. but right. I really do feel this very strongly that if you are able to say, I've had traumas in my life, life, or even i have not traumas, challenges in my life, and I know that it's going to affect. Uh, my communication or my marriage, or even before you're married or or, or after you're married. I know that this is challenging because you have to understand. We talk about triggers, right, Lisa? We talk about triggers. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, as you said before, you get married not realizing that such and such and such, whatever that you had in your childhood with your mother or your father or a sibling, or uh, sometimes it's more dramatic. Sometimes it's more traumatic. Um, Some uh, things that, oh, you know, this is not going to affect me in my marriage. I'll be fine and then you get into marriage and whatever's been repressed mean that your conscious mind pushes it down because your conscious mind doesn't want to deal with it and it pushes mm-hmm. it into what we call the unconscious and you're not even aware that these that you ha- you don't even remember a lot of the stuff that happened maybe when you were young and all of a sudden you get married and you're in a relationship that has closeness that has intimacy that has all different aspects of of a uh, relationship that might trigger Certain things that happened to you when you were younger, with a parent or with a sibling or something, or with a classmate. Mm-hmm. You know, you were bullied by your friend. You know, I always say the seventh grade is the worst, especially for girls. Girls mm-hmm. have you know, you know the groups and the cliques and the this because you know during puberty for girls and they become all uh, hormonal and you know the group is really important and friendships. And if they're bullied and or rejected during that time period of sixth through eighth grade, for many young girls, it's very traumatic. And that Uh a lot of their self-concept comes from, you know, I remember when I was a kid in, in, in eighth grade, seventh grade, or in high school, and I had no friends, and I never thought I was worth anything. You take this, but now I'm happy because I'm married. Well, guess what? Something triggers you when you have a fight with your husband, and all of a sudden those memories of being rejected or abandoned or not treated nicely or not, you know, having a good friend or having a fight with parents or whatever, it all comes flooding back. And things that you don't even think about anymore come flooding back because of the intensity and the intimacy of the marital relationship. And it's not even about your spouse. Sometimes it's about memories that you have that are very traumatizing. And that's why we see a lot of issues that happen in marriages when the uh, individuals, male or female, have been compromised traumatically during their childhood.
0: And I think that what we can say, generally, to sum up, is that... These are sort of the, the hints and the tools and the awarenesses that if you can utilize them to do the work that we've been talking about to improve, build and improve your communication and your connection and your marriage and deal with whatever challenges, then great. If the self-help books work, if listening to podcasts work, if listening to lectures work, great but if you find yourself continuing to struggle and you're not really sure is it me is it my spouse is it our interaction that needs to be dealt with on the next level of care it's it's just not helping to do the layperson thing, the lecture, the book reading, it's not enough. I need to go to the next level of care. If you're not sure, is it for me individually? Is it for us as a couple? You can have a con- consultation with a therapist. They'll they'll do an assessment and figure right. that out. You don't have to wait to go for help until you figure out is it me, is it he, is it she, is it we. Right. So you can. Know one, you know,
1: wonderful therapists out there. Uh, there are many resources that you could turn to. I know many people call Relief. Um, you know, for resources, many people call Amudim for resources. Yeah. There are many resources out there that you yeah. could call and you know anonymously. And get really good names um, right.
0: the main oh, thing yeah. is is that if you're struggling, if these tips and and skills and awarenesses don't help and you're struggling, mm-hmm. don't just sit with it. Right. Go to the next step because oh, it it's worth it to set your marriage on track if it can be set on track because so many things are linked to the happiness in in of a good marriage, health and children and uh, you know, just fulfillment in life and accomplishments are associated with happy and healthy. Um, And happy, that's healthy, our goal. When you're in a happy, healthy marriage, not
1: only do you glow and blossom and your husband, wife glows and blossom, you see
0: it in your kids. Well, this was really great. I really appreciate your Lovely. time, Love doing Dr. This. Klein. Well, Lisa, you were always a pleasure to have a conversation with. <laughs> always a pleasure to talk. As with. are you. Um, and I really appreciate the time and the effort and the thought that you put into this. I think you gave everybody a lot to think about and right. hopefully use to right. create better, deeper connection.
1: Connection, right. Always think of that word. Keep that word in your mind, connection. Positive and meaningful connection. Yeah. So Thanks. Thank you. Take care.
0: And don't forget to have your question or idea for a show address. Email me at creatingkesher at gmail.com.